we are in a series called, oh, there, there it is, um, A Community of Memory. And basically, it came about because uh, we are a forgetful community and talk about all kinds of things that we hope that we'll uh, remember and then promptly see a bird get a head concussion uh, and forget them. And so we're just recapping some stuff that we think, you know, might be worth remembering. And today is a happy day for that because um, it's obviously a child dedication. And as Rod talked about, um, a child coming into the world reminds us of lots of things. Firstly, with how strange children are. Uh, I remember <laughs> I remember when our son Hemi came home from the hospital and we put him in his little cot at night. And then as a paranoid first-time parent, you sit there listening just in case they're dead. Um, and <laughs> fortunately, in this case, they weren't. Um, but I was worried for quite a while that this child had been replaced, replaced with a piglet because they, Hemi in particular, I don't know if other kids do this, makes these weird grunts in the night. He's just like... <laughs> and you're wondering, how can this possibly be normal? But in talking to other parents, apparently quite a few of them do it. But children are definitely strange creatures from beyond. And we spend a lot of our time... Um, trying to familiarize ourselves with them. Um, it's amazing how when family gather around, there's some kind of competition to see who can accumulate the most points for who they look like. Uh, and pretty much we figured out that whoever they say that the child looks like the most um, is the person that they love the most. And so <laughs> Hemi is identical <laughs> to my wife, Meg. Uh, but my friend Danny said he looks so much like you because she loves me more. So that's nice, isn't it? Um, but in all of this kind of labeling and naming and trying to work out who their personality like is like and who they look like, we are trying to familiarize ourselves with something strange and something from the beyond. And the truth is, is that we won't actually really know anything about them until we spend a lifetime with them because they're not mum or dad or auntie Peg. Um, they're them, and they are a strange creature that is a gift to this world, and it's worth remembering. Um, just while we're remembering things as well, I just want to remember, um, this is a day of celebration, but I want to remember those of you who um, have lost children or who have been unable to have children um, for myriad reasons. Um, we acknowledge you today as well, and that with the celebration also comes some grief for some people as well. So we just want to say we see you, we hear you, we acknowledge you in this way. Um, so on this day, as we celebrate a new stranger into our community, we want to celebrate all of the strangers and weirdos that make up this place, um, which is all of us. Um, and we want to work, remind ourselves that it's our job to discover uh, gifts in each other. A while back, we talked about the practice of loving sight, the discipline of seeing each person in our community as a gift from beyond someone that we don't truly understand until we spend enough time with them to actually unpackage that gift a bit. And it sounds so nice and twee, but it's actually really difficult to do. Um, and our community is no better than any of them. We're absolute jerks as well. So we're just reminding ourselves of this so that we can keep on practicing, working out what it is to hold each other in loving sight. Human history has taught us to tribalize, to stay safe by surrounding ourselves with those like us, and either homogenize into one unit or expel anyone who is different. And we're also trained to stratify, 
to create spoken and unspoken hierarchies of who matters the most and who has the most to bring. Pretty quickly, every community can become a rat race, just like any other sphere of life where a few prosper at the expense of others and where we value people according to what we can get out of them. But as we've discussed before, communities in the New Testament push firmly against that. As the ones who followed the shamed and crucified homeless Jew called Jesus, the pointy triangle system of empire got turned on its head. Jesus invited us into an awkward upside-downness where the usual rules of society are flipped. But unsurprisingly, across history, the church has threatened to misplace the invite. To help us remember, I was going to read a little letter written to a church running a house in Corinth in Greece a couple of thousand years ago. Um, and for those of you who have ever been to a, a wedding, it might be familiar to you, because apparently this is the only one you're ever allowed to read. Would anyone, anyone with a voice like to read this? Because, you know, more voices are better than few voices. Any, any readers? Oh, Annika. This is Annika, Annika, Anika. Um, responds to all kinds. Any and all names are accepted. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, no matter what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Thank you. It's a beautiful verse. It's a beautiful passage. And it's easy to forget that it was a letter. It was a letter written to a particular group of people. Um, this group of people um, was a strange community because for um, something that doesn't happen too often in history, particularly in this time, there's all of these different kinds of people gathering together. There's Jews and Gentiles um, people from all kinds of different um, stratas of society. There's pure and impure, masters and slaves, high status and low, all smushed together into one community, often gathering in one household. And as you'd expect pretty quickly, people began to sort out who mattered and who didn't. The rich and powerful um, in Greco-Roman society had this custom of whenever there was some kind of gathering, they would um, afterwards retreat into the extra room in the house um, and basically have a massive feast and some other activities together um, and shut out anyone who wasn't of that status. And Paul, the guy who wrote this letter, got wind that this was happening in this community, that there were people sitting outside the room starving and hungry while other people got hammered. And um, who knows? Yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to filter a thought there just for one moment. This doesn't happen very often, so it's a Christmas miracle. We'll chalk it up to Christmas. Um, 
And, and Paul, at this point, comes out swinging because even though this is accepted custom and practice and, you know, anywhere in Corinth, for people who follow Jesus, this is just not okay. We worship the crucified Messiah, the one that got shamed, so that everyone may have equality. And if what you're doing and worship, trying to worship him is causing other people to be cut out and to be shamed and to have their humanity devalued, then it can't be called worship at all. If you look through your old eyes, you'll miss it, but the bits of the body you despise have something that you need. So all the passages preceding this are all talking about these practices of shaming and humiliating people, of treating people how people get treated all the time, all over the place, as less than human. And Paul's saying that this is not enough. You'll hear this passage often quoted at weddings, and um, it does apply still. But realistically, this is easy stuff. Well, it's hard enough stuff to do for someone, some hottie that you've just married. But someone that you've spent your entire life seeing as less than human, if you're a master in a household, we, in a system where you have the right to kill a slave if you just feel like it, to actually view someone with dignity and humanity is a really difficult task. And here Paul is saying, you may think that you're all holy and high and mighty and godlike because you can do all of these things and people think that you matter because you're puffed up and because you can speak well. But unless you can treat each other with dignity, then it's not worship at all. Unless you can see beyond what sits on the outside. Unless you can see beyond what looks on, um, beyond what um, is appearing on the outside, unless you can see the inside of someone, unless you can actually look with the eyes of love and rather than looking at someone and quickly calculating who they are, then you're missing it all together. This passage and the birth of a new person into our community, they're both challenges to, to see each other with curiosity, to ask what strange gift God might have brought amongst us in this person what their fragility, vulnerability, and capacity to soil themselves at inconvenient moments. Speak of the devil. Might teach us about our own fragility, vulnerability, and capacity to soil ourselves, literally or figuratively, at inconvenient moments. Every person here in their diversity and frailty is a gift. In Christian community, ideally, frailty isn't seen as a weakness, but as something to offer. You can have that one. Yeah, you can have it in a minute. You make a diamond. Can you make a diamond? Ooh. Well done. The challenge of, health, of a healthy community is to resist exceptionalism. You don't get to choose only to love those that seem worthy of it. Our starting place is that because you are here, because you're human, you are the beloved of God and you have gifts to give. If we view you through that lens, we will eventually get to experience the reality of it. This formational practice of loving sight hopefully trains us into discovering the mystery that sits inside each person. Hopefully it allows us to experience the gift that each person is. And hopefully it allows us to stop the rat race, to stop climbing over each other, to stop stratifying. 